0: Skate Studios, Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey West Live. Behind the Masks, College Hockey West Live is brought to you by the NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to Behind the Mask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Kiss your barbecue for lunch or before the game. The best in barbecue, Las Vegas style, at barbecue.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations. The Spaghetti Shack, classic Italian comfort food quickly with locations in Tempe and Pine Top. Order online at the Spaghetti Shack.com. Liberty University, Play for something more, faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. Summer skates, whether our original red or black shower shoes, show your game and style at summerskates.com. By the Caesars Sportsbook app, a proud partner of the NHL. And by College Hockey, Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. College Hockey West Live from the Summer Skate Studios, presented by Behind the Mask. As a part of the Ice Time Hockey network, here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein.
1: All right, well, welcome in, hockey fans, anywhere that you may be, anywhere that you may be joining us tonight, live on the Podbean app, a little bit later than normal at uh, 9 p.m. Central Time. Why Central Time? Because Scott Strandy, right here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, actually Bloomington, Minnesota, tonight, my co host, as always, Paul Hornstein joining me from that big, beautiful palatial estate out on Long Island, New York. Ah, Paul, back in the state of hockey. How are you? Really?
0: Because New York has more teams. (laughs) What? (laughs) New York has more NCAA
1: teams. (laughs) Why? Tell me me that I'm not going to have issues tonight already. (laughs) Uh, you're no, you're echoing on me right now am i oh man let me see let me see if i can fix it because uh, i thought i had really good internet signal here apparently i'm i'm just bouncing around can you hear me at all yeah you sound a little tinny but you know you sound okay little... well you sound a lot tinny and bouncy so i'm getting about every other word you say let me see if i can yeah. get off of the uh, internet and just go with the uh the trusty t-mobile access here in just a second the yeah, Meantime, tell us what's going on on the island.
0: I'm um, watching the middle school baseball team that I root for, the one that you predicted that would win the World Series. Ha um, ha. <laughs> Those New York Mets, huh? Atlanta. Yeah, watching. You know, or it's, it's on. Let's put it that way. <laughs> watching. <sighs> it's, it's, uh, I mean, jeez. Uh, I
1: mean, I can't even. <sighs> well, I, I got off the internet. I, I, here at the hotel, this, so I can hear you much better.
0: I mean, this team, I, I grew up watching them in the 70s after.
1: Uh, Before I was born,
0: you mean. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in the in the mid-70s, they were still about a 500 baseball team, and then um, the then general manager and president of the team, one M. Donald Grant, who exerted his, quote, uh, uh, uh appearance with a th- what the heck is the right phrase? what's the presence with authority over the organization, um, and made Charlie Finley look like a spendthrift and uh, you know, a, a big spender and whatever. <laughs> and and um, he didn't like that Tom Seaver was bigger than the team. They didn't call him the franchise for nothing. Um. And back then there was a, a newspaper columnist called Dick Young um, that was an ally of M. Donald Grant's, and he basically created a very hostile. I I I, I don't know what the right word is. The fans never were against Seaver. It was just uh, <laughs> whatever. And Tom Seaver got traded and. <laughs> It took six years, seven years. Let's not start the show off with you
1: being bit. depressed over the Mets. <laughs>
0: I'm not. No, I'm not depressed. I'm just stating facts. Okay. It's all.
2: Just, <laughs> well,
1: anyway, this is why. Well, when, welcome
0: This in. is why when people get, this is why when people get traded, you want me to? I can. You know, Wayne Gretzky got traded. Anybody can be traded.
1: Exactly, including Connor Bedard. Yeah. Well, we, that I'll, was another Matt,
0: thought I had. Yeah.
1: Maybe a pack of deals to the Coyotes. No, what? No, nothing. What <laughs> I said, Connor Bedard and Austin Matthews, a package deal to the Coyotes to play with cool. Yeah, okay, right, okay, <laughs> in the new building out in Mesa, northeast Mesa. <sighs>
0: I, I, yeah, I'm still here. I've just, I mean, if that was ever an option, and I don't care that they sent the letter saying, Yeah, we're interested. Oh, that means a deal is done. Shut up and put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) Do something for the hockey team. You can send a
1: letter to intent to purchase anything. But but here's the thing when you send your letter of intent to purchase, that means that the other party has to accept it, first of all. Yeah. And second of all, you got to pay for it once you do yeah. that. And third of all, um, well, this is not as bad a spot as Glendale. You're now moving east, a long ways east. So the farther you go east in Mesa, um, the farther you get away from your downtown okay.
2: location.
1: <sighs> anyway, we got to yeah, talk again, NCAA still hockey than, tonight. Still since I'm in yeah, it is. But so anyway, <laughs> since I'm in the state of hockey this week, I figured why not? Why not reach out to our guy, Nick Max and, and they, see if we can get Nick on to talk a little college hockey? Because I know he's got things brewing that he's witnessed like we have, Paul. So let's not wait any longer. Let's bring Nick on. Okay. Nick, Scott and Paul with you. How are you tonight? Ah, uh, we're we're Oh, good. You, you're I mean, sounding quiet, but but we're okay. <laughs>
3: yeah, was it uh, speak softly but carry a big stick? Is that is that the famous quote?
1: Something like that. <laughs> it is, but don't talk that softly. <laughs>
3: I, I swear it's the new cell phone. We've we've had this issue, but apparently, yeah, I when don't when it uh, when it gets played on live air, apparently it's fine. So,
0: well, better anyway, because that's I mean. I think we we're, we've kind of got a little bit of experience and work in this now, so though. It, it's a lot of work for the producer, though.
1: <laughs> a bunch of work. <laughs> Nick, are, are you you hearing us okay? Oh yeah, totally fine. Okay, because you're like at volume level one on a scale of one to ten. So if you want me to call you on the phone, sure. Let's we can we can certainly do that
0: it's probably better that way. This is where we don't have a I can I can rant, I can ramble on for 60 seconds.
1: <laughs> okay, Nick, I'll call you right now. Hold on.
0: So, while he's well, Scott does that, uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, I'll be very interested to hear what uh, Nick has to say about uh, various things like expansion in the NCHC. Uh get his take on uh, his beloved South Cloud, uh, State Cloud, St. Cloud Huskies. Because, you know, nobody knows that team better than he does.
1: All right, Paul, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got a name oh, Okay, let's
2: get started,
1: Nick. First thing I wanted to ask you about uh, this Logan Cooley thing. You being a Minnesota guy, you're close. What the hell is wrong after development camp, Yeah, you know what? I'm good enough to play with these guys. I'm going. Is it a dollar and cents things, or were there some pressures applied pretty heavily? Right,
2: more so from him.
3: You know, Scott, every player is different, especially when you're a high-level draft pick like who he was. And at the end of it, and hockey is sort of an outlier with this, and we've seen high-level picks. Uh, for what For whatever reason
2: that is, uh, that they either leave or another professional league
3: to make the big impact and then it just doesn't materialize and they end up being what most people will call a bust, right? Uh notwithstanding Logan Cooley's exceptional skill and speed and uh last season with the University of Minnesota. I think this has all been internal for him. Um, Remember the conversation with him began after the loss to uh, to Quinnipiac in the national championship game. And more so there were questions and conversations about once the, uh, you talked about Mesa, how about the the Tempe arena plan failing? And there were reports
2: that Billy was involved in whether
3: that you know, motivated him to sign or not sign. Um, to me I think that's all cover up. I think for him and a playoff confident and his skill and I think athletes when you're a top level pick, there's always a part of the back of your head that's yeah, I know I can do this, but am I really ready right now? And I, I think what pushes
2: an athlete over the edge you know, you go to things like camp, you go and he's been skating in this Pittsburgh NHL pros has been picking their brains over the course of this. And I think once you go through some
3: of those things and you start to sort of reevaluate and you say, you know what, maybe I'm ready. And, yeah, Scott, the timing is weird, right, because you have to kind of make a decision. You have to either be committed to the NCAA hockey season. And, or you have to essentially sign a contract because, mind you, it's not just uh, you know playing on the ice like Cooley's got to do because with the University of Minnesota, that means classes, that means other things you got to keep doing. So uh, to me, I think this was a summer-long little seed that's been burning in its head, and they finally uh, decide, you know what, we're just going to go this way, we're going to sign, we're going to turn pro, and I think I'm right, and I think I can contribute on day one.
1: All right,
0: Paul, your thoughts? Well, listen... Um, I think that – I I don't think there was ever a doubt that the kid could play. And I don't think there was ever a doubt that um, he makes them a better hockey team. Um, Maybe he just did what some of us did um, on the outside and be like, um, I don't see any goaltending on this team. And I don't know how we win a national championship without it. So, why am I here,
1: Nick? Your thoughts on that one?
3: I don't buy that at all. I almost proved himself last year. Um, if anything, the team itself, when they went in, when they went into the national championship game, when you go by two goals, uh, you're pressing. You're on the offensive floor check, and then when all of a sudden you decide two goals is enough, and you kind of sit back and uh, you want to play defense first, and not utilize your most powerful weapons on offense to me that there was more of a coaching and tactician way to lose the national championship and i don't know like i just i don't think it's a goaltending issue i think tactically they just sat back and they didn't play golf or hockey the way that got them to the national championship now mind you they played a very similar style all the way through the ncaa tournament and it got them to the championship game but to me, and I think all of us here in Minnesota, especially around the college hockey circles, uh, really do feel like that the University of Minnesota on that game played too conservative offensively and really, you know, squandered away their chance to raise a trophy uh, last uh,
2: last April. No, Nick, Nick let I'm me ask talking, you this: because I'm, I'm, I'm
0: not, I'm not talking about last year's goaltend. I'm talking yeah. about the fact that this year there's no goaltending. They have very much unproven goaltending. I've uh,
3: been coach St. Cloud for a number of years. Uh, unproven, sure, but remember, he also had to go through um, a goaltending change last year by way of uh, count, uh, the caretain. So you know you have to remember that the defensive core for the University of Minnesota, including guys like Rock uh Jackson Lacombe, uh, you know, this was a very star-studded sort of blue line that really you could put any goaltender behind that top six and feel comfortable and i feel like you know if anything else like the, the defense this year you know they don't have that same lineup uh so maybe there's a question mark with defense but you know bob moscow does preach a 200 foot game and yeah the goal thing may not have the name likeness that people are familiar with but trust me the gophers do emphasize strong defensive play uh but honestly to me you know I, i'm not sure if that's as big as a factor uh, going that way, than it would be to change a guy like Logan Culley to sign a pro contractor state
1: with his uh, state with his NCAA team. Nick, no, let me yeah. uh, let me throw this, oh, Paul. You got something else to add?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, and and you know, you can disagree with that, and I, I get that. You're you know, you would you know that a little bit better than I do. I just also think that um, a guy, the kid grows up, and at a certain point. The 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 dream doesn't become just playing college hockey, the dream becomes playing in the NHL, and it just oh, going to get top line minutes. And, and, and. All
3: right, and you know if you look at the Arizona lineup, right, and you look at with Logan Cooley, right, what does he have to prove, right? I think that's the big thing. You reminder, thirty nine games this year, he had
1: six points.
3: That's insane. 22 goals, 38 assists. So, you know, and I think that's more than anything, right, is when you have a high penalty be like Logan Cooley does and you go out there in the NCAA stage, you prove uh, he probably could have been a whole B. honestly. Um, I, he could have easily even won the whole B. I know that giving it to a freshman is, I think, around college hockey circles a little bit sort of, what do you call it, a little blasé. But at the end of the day, uh, I think he felt like he proved himself. I think through development camp, he realized not only can I prove myself at the NCAA level, but not only am I competing with these guys in development camp,
2: I'm sort of rolling over these guys. If you watch, you would have thought that he was the veteran player, not the rookie. So uh, to me, it's those experiences to me combined that convinced him
3: in his mind that, yes, I'm ready and I can make this jump now, and maybe I don't need a wait You're right, Paul. I mean, how many times do we see just like when an team comes calling and you pass up on it and all of a sudden that opportunity isn't there anymore? That's not to say that this is the same case of Logan Cooley, but no question that with his agents and some other people that are close to him, uh, if you're ready and everybody else is getting Mr. ready, it's time to go.
1: Okay, let me uh, – that I've heard from a source, um, and I didn't really – I don't really like going into this stuff because I'm on more. with this hope you guys know. But um, I, I was told there was a ton, and I mean a ton, of pressure from the NHL. I was told that that pressure – in the NHL was like, Listen, the Arizona Coyotes need a boost. You're ready. Go do it. Um, and if that was the case, um, to me, that seems to make logical sense because I don't think um, Logan Cooley ever doubted he could play. I don't think it was a revelation at dev- Development Camp Visitor that he said, Oh, my goodness, I can play. I'm going. Uh, I think there was some pressure from the outside sources, um, like I said. Either way, he leaves Minnesota kind of in a rough spot so late in the year. Um, Bob Mosco does a great job of picking it up. But your thoughts on that uh, That little tidbit, Nick?
3: It's certainly possible, right, uh, Paul? Because, I mean, sure. is are the Coyotes sliding in the NHL, right, which is – carry the weight of the coyote for the past, oh jeez how long, at least a decade plus, right?
2: Oh yes. Um you know, it's it's there's no no secret the the
3: valleys and the hills that the Arizona Coyotes organization has had to endure the course of the past ten years. But
2: is that pressure the same if the 10th I don't know it's the that source, not necessarily leaked, but we talked the rest of the league,
3: the revenue sharing, the good jazz. That's no secret around the hockey circles. And there's no question that if you have a superstar in making stuff Logan Cooley, um, uh, he's an instant jolt to the organization. That means there's merchandise sales. That means there's a league. If you're trying to purchase land or intend to purchase land and you're trying to make a sales, it's certainly a nice piece to have in your back pocket, right? Um, so, uh, you know, there, I don't doubt that that's part of it. But I am curious as to how much a part of it it actually was an decision. Uh, because yes, it's late in the year. But I would have figured, too, if it was that much. I don't know. I just I just don't know how much it affects his decision. Uh, like I said, I have no doubt it probably stewed in his brain a bit, but I'm not sure if it's the tipping point uh, for Logan colleague to sign. But no question that I do believe that he was pressured by the team and the league at times. Yes, I, I definitely believe that's a possibility.
1: Okay, so that leaves me with this question. When you, As you look at uh, Minnesota right now and losing the player of, um logan's um ability let's just leave it at that and uh he makes the move and now you got to fill a hole certainly the gophers have plenty of depth but you don't just replace a logan cooley um so that being said uh how do the gophers look at things right now as the season's about to begin how, how do they feel about having to fill that hole and will they be able to fill it uh the way they want to? You know,
2: it does put the golfers in a precarious position, right? Like no the answer. Um because every player just says we talk coolie as their own time after our development. Conversations are different potentially, maybe, but at the end of it,
3: doesn't maybe change one or two players? It might. Uh, but here's what you do right as the roster in theory, right? Uh that means it's an opportunity there, right? Either for somebody that is there already to have an elevated role, maybe some bigger minutes, or does that mean that you have somebody that maybe was a scratch here in there or maybe like you said a freshman that comes in and can slot in roster. Uh this is a team that still to me in my eyes when you look at who they have, they got Jimmy coming back. You know they, they have a couple of really good people and good pieces like an Aaron Huglin that was a depth center that could be elevated. Uh, they're going to be fine. Uh, to me, they're still a potential Frozen Four type team. Again, this tournament is coming back to St. Paul this year, so uh, I, I still think that it's going to be fine. Yes, they're going to miss an electric talent like Logan Cooley, but I think there's enough depth there that if they can approach it as a win by committee. Has the same, club, not the same resources, not the same level of talent. He was able to take that program and elevate it to a, a basically an annual contender every year. Uh, the Gophers will be able to figure out who fits where and be able to still compete at a high level. I just know that they can.
1: Paul, you got anything to
0: add? <laughs> no, listen, I mean, they do have, I, I've never denied they had plenty of talent. I mean, they're, you know, you look at their logos next to their names, Um, and just about every one of them has a logo. So, I mean, that's, you know, no one, no one is questioning that. Um, but, you know, I, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm going to if you're going to sit here and tell me, do I think they're going to make uh, the, the final 16? Probably. Am I going to be happy about it? No. But. I I think that you'd have to you'd have to be uh in a blind rage or something to not say that they're gonna they're at least um gonna be in the tournament. I mean, jeez, I mean unless, you know, they get whacked by injuries or or bad juju, I don't know. I mean I mean you, you have to be objective about it. Just because I don't like them doesn't mean I don't think they're a good team or make the
1: tournament. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Nick, let's slide up to your alma mater because I, they've got some interesting things going on there as well. Your thoughts on St. Juan State? They get prepared for a season.
3: They're in a peculiar place here, Scott, because they do have uh, some key returners that are coming back. Um uh, they announced earlier in June, um actually with me with head coach Brett Larson that Zach O'Kabi would exercise um, his COVID year of eligibility to return as a fifth year senior, which is huge for the Huskies. Uh, they lost a lot of talent this year, uh, such as the likes of Yami Cranola, who went off to the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, just to name one name that pumps out to me. Uh, but they do have a very heavy class coming in that's equally as talented. And also remember they have Adam Ingram who uh, had some flashes last year um, in terms of scoring touch, but also uh, you know had a little bit of bumps and bruises that you would have mentioned uh, or would expect, I should say, as a freshman uh, transitioning from junior hockey with Youngstown into the NCAA realm. Uh, to me, they're sort of the middle of the pack team in the NCAA team, which is going to be very competitive this year. And I know Paul is probably. I've uh, been very happy
2: with some of those recent news about that, that conference and maybe a certain team adding an extension. But we'll really? touch
3: on that what later, I would assume. Uh, so to me, I you know it's going to be tough because Denver still going to be very good. Uh, Western Michigan, to me, is going to be good. North Dakota is a huge wild card no. because of turnover. to have another really good, talented freshman class. The entire defensive core is going to be – entirely new uh, but they did pick up a very good goaltender
2: out of miami above the pearson for a junior season. The huskies are going to be a fringe top four team at
3: the nchc if things go right with their freshman class did they make the ncaa tournament sure but it's going to come down to having a strong non-conference uh performance like they've had the past couple of seasons and then able to take advantage of some other teams in the nchc that you know maybe need to figure things out early and their schedule is going to be tough so uh they can do it but to me they're kind of a you know we'll wait and see kind of a team and we'll probably know by the holiday break where they're sitting
0: well it it, it kind of comes down to this and as you sit here and and I get uh, deeper into this. I mean, you look at North Dakota's roster, and it's loaded. And you expect them in Denver to be the top of the mountain. Um, I, I have to see what happens if Duluth rebounds this year. But Omaha's better. Um, CC is uh-huh. better. Western Michigan is still solid. Um, I think that two to seven the three to seven battle in this conference this year everybody's going to look at North Dakota and Denver and I'm not going to say they're going to run away with it but um, I doubt you'll see many people pick anybody but those two teams for the top of the conference but that three to seven battle is going to be insane I mean I I mean like I said, all those teams are bad. Yeah, I totally agree yeah. with
1: you on that. I mean, I think um, across the board. So, Nick, I want to ask you about that because Paul and I have debated this all, well, for two years now about the, uh, the transfer portal and what's happening in it. And if you look at the transfer portal now, there's some guys that didn't get spots this year that maybe thought they were going to get some. What's your thought on that, and are we starting to, to wean our way through it now or where it's time to, uh, you know what, you better pick your school and stay there?
3: No, but I do think you're going to see a bit of a course correction as of next year, right, because this is the last off-season of COVID year eligibility additions, I believe. So, uh, you know, I do think you're going to see a bit of a downturn, but – I don't don't know by how much, Scott, Um, at the end of it, you know, it's tales like this, right, where you're you're trying to find maybe a better fit or maybe you you thought, you know, you could get into the transfer portal, another team would call and you'd be having, say, an elevated role and, uh, you know, you'd have uh, the was greener on the other side, right? And as we see, and even as we look at the transfer portal now, there's a lot of names still left over. Um, And as of right now, you know, it's a bit it's a bit late in the game to try to uh, to try to find a spot. I think if I looked at uh, Brad Schlossman's transfer portal grid. There was three players only that entered the transfer portal and then retracted back to their original squad. And I believe one was actually from Colorado College. So um, it is a cautionary tale, right? Because if you believe that you know you really do have uh, talent and skill, you know there's always going to be a market for that. But in the NCAA roles, right, it's not always that simple. So it's a case-by-case basis. It's hard to predict. But I do wonder next offseason if we're going to be see as much movement as we have for the past three or four with that COVID eligibility running dry. Uh, I think it will dip a little, but I still feel like we're going to have um, a, a transfer portal list that's still significant. Because uh, I think once you start a trend that says, hey, I get, I get one shot to do this um, as an underclassman, then again another one. Um, if you uh, go in as a graduate senior, I still think you'll see players try to utilize that if they really feel like they're trying to extend their college hockey careers. and feel like they can either A, um, get a better role, or maybe even try to find at a national championship. So, so we'll wait and see, but I do feel like it will slow down a bit. But the question is by how much?
0: Well, see, here's the other wild card factor in that, Nick. Um, there are supposedly at least... One team that is jumping into the D1 fray, uh, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, but if you have one or two teams that decide, or one or two schools that decide they want to start sponsoring Division one hockey, that once again throws the transfer portal um, uh, into a crapshoot again because now there's an extra 40 spots. potentially right paul so, well, because that means that uh, you know players want to go to those
3: um those schools right um, does that mm-hmm. mean that you know that affects i don't know if there's a direct line i get what you're saying paul and i i think there's you know a conversation to be had about that Because, you know, we're all for the expansion of college hockey, especially out west and the last frontier, probably southeast, right? We're talking to you, Alabama, Huntsville, um, and the surrounding schools. But at the end of it, you know, I'm not sure if that directly correlates to it. Maybe what that means is, you know, maybe players that are maybe closer to that spot would go there. Uh, But at the end of the day, right, you know, some players, you know, do they – is it about the location or is it about their – the, you know the quality of play. It's hard to say, it right? Um, not so sure. It, it's it yet to be seen.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's a wild card because you don't know.
3: Correct. So. Yeah, it's 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 hard, it's hard to know. Um, I, I think it's. I think we're definitely in the better side of the argument if we're talking adding schools versus say schools that are, you know calls enough shut off. So you know, if we're gonna have one conversation over the other, I'd rather have the one that says, Hey, we've got some teams that, you know, are either club or maybe division three, such as August Santa, they're opening up their inaugural division one season this fall in front of a brand new building. Um, you know, so would there be some guys that would hit the transfer portal and the event that you know, maybe they've already had conversations with head coach Garrett Raboin and it's closer to home or maybe, you know, going to be in the top six role of their forward group. Hard to say, um, but like I said, much better argument to have on this topic versus, you know, the transfer portal's
2: being flooded because, uh, right. uh, you know, close enough shop and now we have an influx of
3: players that and not enough spots to cover them.
1: Now it's time to talk, coaches. Nick, this is crazy this year as well in NCAA hockey because the NCAA allowed that third coach or that additional coach... Um, onto the, uh, the payroll and everybody seems to be taking advantage of it. why wouldn't you, but there's also some uh-huh. big changes and we haven't talked to you since Mike Hastings decided that he wanted to trade in some purple and gold, some red and white and go to Wisconsin. And then he takes uh, Todd not with him, and he, uh, he brings on Nick Oliver, the the recent head coach at the Fargo force. How good is Wisconsin going to be and how long will it take them to be really good?
3: going to see an improvement this year 100 right um it's it's not going to take them long because first of all mike hastings took a program such as minnesota state that let's be fair right was kind of a fringe ncaa squad they had decent players but they never were what we call a formidable threat right they never were this Every year, NCAA tournament team, and he turned them into a perennial contender and to a runner-up in the national championship game. Right? Um, for those who have been to the Minnesota State Mankato campus, it's it's not big. It's a very intimate campus. It's a gorgeous campus right off of the Minnesota River down in southern Minnesota. But, you know, they don't. It's a Division two school. Primary, they don't have the money and the resources, like a Division One program that Wisconsin does, right? And after the departure of Tony Granato, um, after, shall we say, Wisconsin was the, shall we say, the outlier in the data set when it came to uh, Big Ten hockey last year, um, let's just say this, they took a lot of their talent, um, they took a lot of, uh, shall we say, assistant coaches, whether it's from Mankato and then, of course, Nick Oliver, who was an assistant coach with St. Cloud, had a head coaching experience with Fargo and really had a successful season with them in junior hockey and then jumps on to Wisconsin. Uh, they're going to see improvement immediately this year uh, because hey, they have to, the big 10 is just that good. And number two, as we talk next year at this time, I figure I think you're going to see even a bigger improvement because it's one thing that Mike Hastings and Todd cannot know how to do. That's recruits. Uh, you're going to see immediate impacts on that. So for Wisconsin to turn the corner uh, before they're back to being the big red, and uh, you know a formidable opponent for guys such as the Gophers here in Minneapolis, and up as around the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, having Wisconsin back in that in that league, uh, Michigan State is going to be much better this year. Um, we know about the other two M schools. Um, uh, Penn State can always score. Notre Dame is always going to try and choke you um but you know a, a a much better wisconsin team man you're, you're almost you're, you're talking you know pound for pound is you know
1: even with the nchc uh-huh. yeah i mean i'm not gonna argue with you guys on either one of those i just think college hockey across the board is has come a long way okay nick i don't know how familiar you are with this one but i want to get your thoughts on it i know paul does too we've had questions on this early recruitment thing where August 1st rolls around and guys, the players, uh, announce their commitments. And and Paul, I'm going to let you take it from there because you're the one that caught it first. So uh, tell Nick your thoughts on that and what you saw and one, what you're wondering. Well, it's just kind of odd
0: in my eyes that most of the early announcements basically came from either hockey east or ecac schools you had the cup an outlier here and there but for the most part it was schools from those two leagues that had their players announced really you know right away and not a lot from outside that corridor um i don't know you're closer to it than i am i you know i'm in the outlying area um but Am I the only, it doesn't, I don't think I'm the only one that noticed that any, any thoughts and, or any conversation on why.
2: You know, the,
3: the, this is a tough one, Paul, right? Because, you know, the, the recruiting timeline and the the revisions that they made at the NCAA level, right. Um, I think a couple of years ago uh, was meant to protect both sides of this. uh, And especially
2: here in Minnesota, right. Where, we are the state of hockey. Yeah, New York has more mm.
0: teams. Uh, yeah, we produce more in the NHL town than any other state does combined. Yeah, I, just, I refuse so. to acknowledge that. Maybe not in back, let's get that straight. Uh, but I, seriousness,
2: I
3: refuse no. to acknowledge um, that. Was, right. <laughs> but in all seriousness, what was happening here, especially in Minnesota, uh, was these teams before these restrictions were put in place, uh, you would have conversations with kids that are in 7th and 8th grade and having verbal commitments even as early as that well then what if this young kid has another chat say they commit to minnesota state but then the golfers come calling um or st cloud duluth north dakota right these are very you know high level programs that all have a story past and all are competitive to this day right um i think it's slower here in minnesota because Uh, The players that are in their high school or, we say, you know, maybe junior AAA or in the junior clubs, they're getting talks from a lot of teams and they're having multiple conversations. So uh, I I think these players here take their time with it because I think different resources and I think there's kind of a playbook here um, just because it surrounds the state of hockey, especially at that level. It says, hey, when you're approached with a, a college team, you know, let's not jump on the bad way after the first uh, look. Right. Let's think about it. Let's make sure we take visits from other colleges uh, to know what's the right fit. We want to make sure it's the right decision for you um, and kind of go from there. Right. So that's my guess. If, if I had to really put a pin on it, which is that, you know, it used to be a lot earlier than 10th grade. Now it's come back a little bit. Uh, and I think just. Because of the players, again, they're getting interest from a lot of Division One schools. Uh, they're not jumping on the first opportunity. Sure, there was a couple of go-for-commits. Yeah, you have St. Thomas there uh, that had a couple of really high-profile commits from Minnetonka. But have you noticed that? Beyond that, Duluth, St. Cloud, North Dakota, uh, Minnesota State, all pretty quiet. And again, it's because a lot of these schools are fighting for the same players. And really, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and that's the recruiting battle landscape here in the Midwest. So at the end of it, that's to me really what it comes down to is you're, you're, you you'll have a big market for the player services and the player themselves is trying to make sure that they make the best decision for him, uh, I should say his or her career development and what's the best move for him or her.
1: Okay, so uh, I, I want to ask this and kind of Paul did, but I don't know if we, we maybe articulated correctly, but it seemed like there were certain areas like out East had a lot of early commitments. And I know what you're saying with Minnesota and things like that, but is it important Nick at, at this point? Cause like coach powers told me and has told me over the last seven years that uh, when a kid commits to him and says, I'm coming to you, if he changes his mind and leaves uh, coach powers ba- essentially says, okay, well then uh, don't come talk to me again. So if you're a 10th grader, and you think Arizona State looks great, but all of a sudden you become a senior and you think, "Oh my goodness, Chris Mayot and Colorado College are are doing great things, and Peter Menino as an assistant coach or associate head coach, and I was doing great things." I want to change my commitment. Um, do you think kids are starting to take that to heart now? And our programs, especially like NCHC teams and and others. Not looking to get those commitments yet, uh, verbally from the kid. So,
3: so let's let's break this down a little bit, Scott. And maybe you're right. Maybe I didn't articulate this maybe as well as I could. But let's start with this. A lot of these commitments that we're hearing are these are verbal commitments, right? It's not a right.
2: obligation, right? Um, so, you know, and I think we got to establish that first, right?
3: Because this was part of the problem with and why these recruitment ninth graders verbally commit to a school and i i don't i don't disagree with coach powers right and i think it's it's i think you know we can em- empathize or sympathize the fact that when you got a kid that commits to a program that you are expecting that's and then as a coach you're trying to make plans around and you know maybe that changes who else you recruit because you're trying to build a team with different skill sets that you know collaboratively can go out and you know make the best season that you can, right? Um, The other thing that I think goes to this is, you know, social media, right, is that kids now are boasting about their verbal commitments. But here's the thing, until you sign that dotted line on the national letter of intent, it ain't official. It's just not, right? So um, we can see a lot of these verbal commitments out east and, and maybe with the Boston schools who I think are trying to maybe get a bit of a resurgence too, because for, i know you're closer to the east coast than i am at least last time i checked in a map but <laughs> the, past nine years, the boston schools uh both bc and bu which are story programs they have history of national championships they were also they kind of had a valley with their with their records and uh not having the best of seasons so i think you know when you're a school that's trying to get back to relevance you're aggressively recruiting and maybe you're asking hey what's You know, I want a commitment from you guys. And maybe that's part of their sales pitch. You know, if I make this visit, you know, we have a good talk. I I want a commitment. But, again, the cautionary tale here is until there's an NLI sign, you know, it's still a verbal commitment. I think both as players and coaches, we need to take a step back, right, and understand that these are still kids. These are still kids that are not even, some of them, not even 18 years of age. Um, You know, you can listen to a sales pitch just as you described, Scott. You can feel good about it. But then all of a sudden, Bob will come calling. of a sudden Chris Mayock comes calling right these are great coaches they're great human beings um and they have a different sales pitch all of a sudden you want to make a change right that stuff happens and I get it but this is sort of the recruiting battle and you know and I don't know if there's a, a correct formula for this but I do feel like the east schools as of right now are trying to essentially attract the best that they can uh to try to get back to relevance and I think you're seeing also geographically where a lot of these commits are They're from the East Coast, and uh, you know maybe it's part of my Midwest uh, bias, (laughs) but uh, again, the talent pool out East isn't necessarily as deep as it is here in the Midwest. The bigger talents that if you're trying to. Make sure they don't look out to the wind west. Um, Is going to get short up on the East Coast quickly. Otherwise, you know, a team like Michigan or Minnesota, they come calling. Uh, you know, that's a very tempting uh, verbal commitment from some of those players if you have an opportunity to join and don't mind us um, uh, moving maybe twelve hundred to fifteen hundred miles west uh, to go play college hockey.
0: Well, I'll say this, Paul. I-, I will say this. <laughs> if you look at the BU and BC rosters. Yeah, I mean, once again, it's They're on stacked. paper. They are stacked, and stacked. I mean,
2: I, I mean,
0: I mean, a lot of years you don't want to sit here and talk about chalk uh, getting into the Frozen Four, but because I like to see the upsets as as much as anybody. But when you look at certain rosters, when you look at North Dakota's roster, when you look at Denver's roster. Uh, the M schools there that we don't like to acknowledge. Um, BU and BC and... and
1: Wait a and, minute. We? Who you got in your back pocket?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I don't care what you say anyway. Um, um, you know, you look at a, at a, at a Northeastern. I mean, holy smokes. I mean, you, these teams in, in, in the seven or eight years that I have followed this as close as I've tried to, This year, the Blue Blood programs seem to be insanely stacked. And and, and, and I, you know, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sitting here, and and Scott likes me to do the poll every week. Um, I I can't imagine that there's going to be room for many teams uh, outside of the blue bloods, because I mean, like I said, this year their rosters are stacked. Um, the bean pot is going to be absolutely more crazy than normal. Um, like I said, the, the Big Ten goes six teams deep, and we don't know about Wisconsin yet. Um, we expect North Dakota and Denver to 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 be where they normally are. And there are some non-conference matchups this year that are off the charts. And just look at North Dakota alone; they're playing <laughs> that other maroon and gold team. We know there's no rivalry there, and they're playing at BU. I mean, are you kidding? I mean, well, and Wisconsin's wow.
2: going there too.
1: By the way,
0: I mean, just, <laughs> just. I mean, I haven't even okay. looked at BC schedule, but...
1: We, we can go on for this for 100 years, but we, we've got one more for Nick. Uh, Nick, you brought it up. We talked about it a little earlier. Um, Arizona State joining the NCHC next year. Uh, I, I don't think it was a surprise to Paul and I. Was it a surprise to you? And in your opinion, does it make sense? And does it make the most sense? Uh,
3: no surprise at all. Uh, again, this uh, <laughs> Arizona State... Um, has been looking for a conference for essentially six to seven years. Mind you, this was the second time they officially applied. Uh, first time they did it in 2017, as well as they did with uh, another team we've talked about tonight, Minnesota State, Mankato. Both of those at that time um, were not accepted. Um, but it makes sense because uh, a couple of things. One, right, they have a successful program. Um, they've got a recruiting pipeline. Um, they've got, shall we say, dollars and cents. They're a Division One university. And uh, I think here's where we can talk a little bit more positively about Mould Arena. Not that we haven't been before, but now a little bit more in a you know intimate sense, right? This is a building that is broadcast capable. So why is that important, Scott? Is well, the NCHC creme de la creme, their golden nugget is NCHC TV, right? They want to have the broadcast capabilities. Mould Arena does have that. It's an intimate arena. And I think it just made sense for everybody involved because it's a large market. Um, It's a large university. They're never going to have to worry about money issues with them. So to me, it makes sense. I think the bigger question is for the NCHC is what's next? Because um, maybe it's just human nature, but nine is an odd number. And uh, to me, it's it's, so it's either, is it going to be ten? Or dare I say, <laughs> is it going to be eight again? Right, Scott. So to me, to me,
1: the NCHC isn't done. Uh, me, I agree with you, done, Nick. Right. Pa- so Paul doesn't yes. like that odd. Uh, Paul doesn't like the uh, the odd odd even thing. But I agree with you. I, I don't think yeah. schedule makers like. I don't think conference leaders will admit, um, <clears throat> if you got them on true serum that they like odd numbers. It Whatever. No, stop, 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 it's stop, 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 stop,
0: stop, stop. We have independent teams. Atlantic Hockey has an odd number of teams. Hockey East has an odd number of teams. Okay, stop. The Big Ten has an odd number of teams. There's plenty of
1: people to play. In the Big Ten and Atlantic Hockey, the the big thing at playoff time comes in is like, how come somebody gets left out? Air Force got left out last year. And they changed it. Right and you've got it so if you've got even numbers that doesn't happen same way with the big 10 if i'm not mistaken nick isn't there a buy first round but that doesn't mean you're out i know but what i'm saying is it's not a true format as if it were an even number group of people anyway that's my opinion
3: Well, and I think let me clarify, because I I think uh, obviously this topic has has caused a trigger point reaction with a couple of people. But um, where I was actually going with this was University of Miami. Right. I, I think there's still question marks with what Miami wants to do right now. I've argued personally that. Although Miami has been, shall we say, and, and with all due respect, right, um, in the NCHC cellar for some time, it's been it's been a tough go for them. But I don't necessarily think that leaving the NCHC, you know, a lot of people have asked me, well, they do, you know, why the, they were at least at, at a time back as as close as March or April. The athletic director for the Red Hucks came out and it was opposed to uh, Arizona State joining the NCHC. Now, mind you, you know, when you actually count the votes, it was a unanimous um, you know, decision, meaning every single school voted 8 to nothing to add Arizona State. But I, I just don't think Miami leaving would be beneficial for that program. Um, again, if you leave one, there's a is a million-dollar-plus buyout uh, fee you have to pay, not to mention that you still have to then be accepted by another program. Um, ask the Alaska schools and ask Alabama School how they're doing as independents and how much they wish to be part of a conference, right? So to me, less of a possibility that they – uh, go to 8. I think it's more of a possibility they expand to 10. And uh, Scott, I'm not sure about you, but it wouldn't shock me. Now, I know that this is probably a bit far-fetched right now, but it wouldn't shock me if the NCHC had their eyes set on a certain school in St. Paul that was led by the by, was actually at the helm of the Redhawks at one point as, as the head coach.
0: No. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who we're talking about. <laughs> not, not a clue. <laughs> no, if if well, only that school had some money.
1: All right the the final <laughs> the the final one on this one, Nick, and we gotta let you go because we're running running long. But um, the the one final thing in conference is how realistic is it that the Summit League gets a hockey conference? And if that does, how much upheaval is that going to create for the NCHC and others?
2: Ooh, hard
3: to say, because, um, you know, I think the issue with, and, and here's the thing, you have a gentleman that's running the Summit League, we know him quite well, you know, Josh Fitton, former NCHC commissioner, right? The one that he was able to do, and under his leadership, was navigate an intentionally, shall we say, uh, difficult uh, financial burden on, shall we say, all of NCAA sports, especially hockey. Um, I think, you know, it, it doesn't get lost in those who follow the sport closely. But for those who don't, hockey is a very expensive sport to put on in terms of equipment, in terms of, uh, shall we say, the arena costs, especially to to freeze the ice and to keep it that way. And, you know, it's just a lot of maintenance. Right. So if it, if the Summit League is able to take on Josh Fenton's leadership and actually create a college hockey conference, uh, that's not be frank about it. That's a bomb. Um, that could spark a lot of shockwaves across. Um, the question is, Is does the Summer League want that? And, you know, do they want to send those kind of shockwaves? Uh, yeah, there's the opportunity possibly for some revenue there. But as we heard from Josh Fenton before, that, you know, when you have a college hockey conference, what makes them right? That's their streaming services. And that was the frozen face-off down in St. Paul. And really beyond that, there wasn't much in terms of revenue streams, right? So uh, I do question what the summit league is looking at in terms of finding that revenue source. If if they are going to have this major upheaval, Um, but maybe they do, maybe they want to be that guy that drops the bomb and says, Hey, we're just going to come in and take over everything. I'm not sure that, a lot of folks, especially here in Minnesota, would um, you know care too kindly, especially after we're still there's still some old timers here, Scott, that are still dealing with the <laughs> fallout of the WCHA from 2013, and even though we're 10 years past that, um, I don't know. It would I think it's not likely as of yet, um, and I do feel like if it did happen, it would uh, be a bigger disruptor of college hockey, at least on the surface level, than it would be more to, shall we say, grow the game, which we are
1: hoping for. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. You and I will visit this week while I'm in town. Um, let's uh, let's see if we can keep growing this thing, okay?
3: Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Appreciate thanks,
1: it. Absolutely. That's Nick Maxson, the uh, hockey guru of Minnesota. I'm going to call him that from now on. Uh, <laughs> uh, Paul, let's take a quick break. Let's come back, wrap things up in uh, just a couple minutes, okay?
0: Okay. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind The Mask we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three valley locations or online at behindthemask.com. At behind the mask.
2: Passion, talent, development. NCAA
3: hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor
2: Zegers. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel backs it towards the goalie. Score.
3: Before the NHL stage, whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Oh my
2: goodness,
3: man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com
0: and follow at College Hockey. So you're a few weeks into the season and that brand new equipment bag is starting to get kind of funky. Those sweaty gloves and pads, yuck. Well, there's only so much you can do about it. But when that new pair of summer skates starts to pick up that scent, that's easy. Our customizable shower shoes go right into the washing machine, then air dry overnight, and they're ready for the next shift at the rink. Customizable for your team or with your favorite player's name and number, summer skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear are perfect for players in the desert or even for just wearing around the house. Head to IcetimeHockeyWest.com and click on the Summer Skates link to get your personalized koozies and shower shoes today.
2: From the nation's best college hockey conference...
0: After a hard day at work or a long week, what's better than good comfort food to put you at ease? At the Spaghetti Shack, we say the answer is comfort food that's made by somebody else. The Spaghetti Shack has taken spaghetti and meatballs, the classic Italian comfort food, to a level. ASU alumni owned and operated, the Spaghetti Shack has three locations at 6340 South Aurora Road in Tempe, the ASU location at 922 East Apache Road and 952 West White Mountain Road in Pine Top. For lunch, dinner, or catering as well, call us at 480-687-2485 or order online at thespaghettishack.com. From the Summer Skate Studios, you're listening to ITHSW Podcast's College Hockey West Live.
1: Indeed it is, It Chalky West Live, a Sunday night edition, as always. Scott Strandy with you tonight in Bloomington, Minnesota, where I'll be for the week. And uh, my co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein, joining me from that big, beautiful, palatial estate out on Long Island, New York. Paul, we are going to get rain here in the Twin Cities tonight. I know you haven't seen rain in months on the island.
0: Oh, we've gotten it the last two days. Though. Okay, just took checking. took my power out this morning. So. <laughs> just checking. And Bloomington, here. by the way, the home of the, I don't know, I won't say, because I know that an open wound, even though it's been replaced. <laughs> I won't say it. You know exactly where I'm going.
1: I am so close to the home of the Minnesota North Stars' uh, previous home, which is now a parking lot. Actually, it's part of Mall of America. But anyway, right. um, yeah, I, I'm i am about a stone's throw away uh, tonight. So, yeah, that's kind of a, a, a sad thing. But um, anyway, it is what it is. Uh, always great to have Nick on. He gives us some different insight uh, from Minnesota, obviously. Uh, he bleeds a little uh, red, black, and white from St. Cloud, but you can tell there's some uh, maroon and gold in there as well.
0: Oh, there's there's no doubt about it. Uh, listen.
1: Oh, wait. Which maroon and gold? Right. The
0: good <laughs> one or
1: the other one? I think Nick bleeds both of them, to be honest with you. Uh... Well, okay. Well, I don't some know what the- you're doing. But. Somebody wanted to pipe up and get involved.
0: Yeah. Well, all I know is this: <laughs> um, Offspring University.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew we had to get that in there tonight. Well, we'll, we'll get to
0: it more tomorrow. But yes, just,
1: I did. Yeah. It, well, I mean, pro- probably more like Tuesday. All right, whatever. Tomorrow we've got a fantastic guest on. I want to get to that real quickly. Let people know that. Tomorrow, we'll be going at 2.30 p.m. Central Time, which is what time on the East Coast?
0: That would be 3.30. And honestly, you know,
1: whatever. So if you want to listen live, we'll be on then. If not, of course, you can get it on the download. But uh, Garrett Ray Get Boyne, it on the, the download. Get coach. it no matter how you do
0: it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go
1: ahead. Garrett Ray Boyne, the head coach from Augustana University, is going to join us. I stopped by there, as you know. On the way to Minnesota on Thursday, I had a look from the outside of the uh, the beautiful arena. Paul, I, I tweeted something out. I said it's pretty amazing. We've been uh, on Tuesday will be our anniversary of the start of our eighth season, um, and during that time, in eight seasons, uh, I will now have been to three brand new NCAA re- uh, arenas. Ed well, Rose Arena,
2: some of
1: yeah, Ed Ropes in at CC, Mullet for Arizona State, and now the Midco Arena for the Augustana Vikings. Go, Augie, go.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, a lot to talk
1: about with the coach. Uh, a lot to talk you know, about. Do I have to bring out my, my pom poms right out the gate? That's not, you always do that. That's not news. Okay. I just wanted to know if I needed to bring them out right away or if I should give him. A little time Give to him just two minutes. us. Give him two minutes. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm going, though. All right. And then, of course, Tuesday night, we're bringing on the one, the only, Peter Menino nice. from Colorado College. who's, the, You know Colorado College, Paul? They're the home yes. of the Tigers.
0: Please don't embarrass us like that by <laughs> saying that to him. Please don't.
1: Please. Oh, Peter's going to love it. You know it. You know he's going to love it. He's going to eat it up. The God. Tigers.
0: No, stop.
1: <laughs> so it'll be the Vikings tomorrow, right. and that's the good. Tigers. No, Tuesday night. No. Anyway, so that's the way this week lines up for us as we uh, continue to rock and roll. We get a little closer to the start of the season. Anything else you need to be in before we uh, end this one?
0: No, we'll 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 get to it. I mean, they the NCAA has eliminated uh replay use for calling too many men on the ice uh i like that by the way uh after a goal is scored in other words the if 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 it's if, if not called before the goal is scored you can't call it after looking at the replay is what i am the way i'm figuring it so yeah i, I like it that uh, way yeah, anything like that it. yeah anything that st-
1: yeah stop it people it's too much yeah you got to have a little bit of uh Real life. Yeah. In, yeah. In hockey you can't be all replay everything. Now there are points. I think replay is really good, but there are points as you know, and you and I both talked one. about this. You don't need everything reviewed. Nope. You know, you gotta have the, uh, the officials do their job. Uh, nope. Otherwise, why even put them out there? Just put a robot out there, a robot with a camera. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Anyway, we'll, we'll begin without Mike Schmidt later on this year as uh, I'm sure we'll have him join us at least one more time uh, once things get underway. So anyway, um, anything else uh, burning right now that we need to take care of? No, not really. Okay. Nothing we can't take care of in the next few days. All right. So again, tomorrow, 2.30 p.m. Central Time or 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, you can join us live as we visit with the head coach from the Augustana Vikings. And Man, what a building that's going to be. I mean, I love Robson. You know I love Mullet. And uh, this one, for, for a size campus like Augustana and a city like Sioux Falls, it's perfect, Paul. 13 rows is the maximum rows. And they are about as steep as Ed Robeson Arena, which means that you are going to be right on top of the players again. It's directly across from the athletic facilities at Augustana, right on the campus. Students can walk over there. I, I was joking um, uh, with Nick. Uh, not, not Nick Maxim, but Nick Rayba um, <laughs> Rappoon, when yeah. we were visiting and I was going, uh, where are you going to park? Are you building the parking garage? He goes, no, we've got a lot of open parking over there. And he showed me this spot and he goes, there'll be some more parking here, but he goes, see right there. He goes, that's the dorms and the dorms are there and behind it. And we feel like the students are going to of walking over here, even in the middle of winter.
2: Oh, I said, so,
1: so you mean Paul Hornstein will be there in January no 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 you're not
2: gonna make it okay no
1: so by the way just so we know there will be a home opener for the program which will be played um in the uh, USH facility
2: USHL
1: facility and then there'll be another opener in January for Midco so exciting times for Sioux Falls South Dakota the first NCAA division one hockey program in the state of South Dakota now in sioux falls
0: yeah uh, the only thing i will uh, and, and i'm looking forward to that because i like to watch how teams are built and i'm just curious as i as i always am because this is what i'll throw on the table the, the the question is does that spur somebody from one of the larger state universities to say hey you can't let them a- have a team Why, well, yeah and not, your son not just us. keeps
1: yapping on here well, that's not news.
0: <laughs> Stop hitting the buttons.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. Take it away, my friend.
0: From the Summer Skate Studios, Behind the Mask, College Hockey West Live on the IceTimeHockeyWest.com network has been brought to you by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. Worldwide, it's where the action is in the resort or in town. Behind the Mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. or the NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. The tag Creative Group search T Grand Rudd on redbubble.com and help us design that one of a kind gift for you or someone special. I know that's not how it's pronounced, but people are listening to this and that doesn't mean they don't have a, that doesn't mean they have a pen this way they can remember it and get it right. College Hockey Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. I know I'm getting the Italian salute. I get it. Caesar Sportsbook app. Download the app where available, but please play responsible. FedEx. Simplify your business shipping with FedEx, the official package delivery company of Ice Time Hockey West. And by Liberty University. Over 700 programs of study to help you impact your community on and off the ice. Strengthen your faith at our state of the art campus. See us at liberty.edu. College Hockey West Live, presented by Behind the Mask, is live every week on the Podbean app and available along with all of our weekly podcasts for download at your favorite podcast platform. Search I-T-H-S-W Podcasts, all one word. That's I-T-H-S-W Podcasts, all one word. To find any of our shows, subscribe, rate, and do the shows or just tell a friend to help others find the podcasts. Behind the Mask, College Hockey West Live, and all of our weekly podcasts, or part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com
1: network. Very well done, my friend. A big thank you to Nick Maxson, the uh, Minnesota hockey guru, for uh, joining us tonight, giving us his insight on all things Minnesota hockey. Um, Paul, as I said, exciting day tomorrow. It's mid-afternoon for us uh, with Garrett Rayboin joining us from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, on the campus of Augustana University. And then, of course, on Tuesday, the one the only people will join us from colorado college the home of the tigers anyway no. I'm, I'm hanging up <laughs> well anyway uh everything going rock and roll as uh, as we expect and uh you know what the season gets closer day by day um i do want to shout out something today my three-year-old grandson um went to the pure hockey so pure hockey if you're listening a three year old was there and he tried on some stuff. Got pictures in his shoulder pads and different stuff. So Bolly nice. wants to challenge you to a little one on one.
0: Well, he would kill me. He would beat me without a problem. <laughs>
2: okay. I All right. can't
1: we'll, say, we'll say goodnight. we with Roger Klein and the Peacemakers De Niro. Good night, everybody.